Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Sanctus Nutrition Podcast. My name is Dr. Alex Brewer. I'm the founder of Sanctus Nutrition. The goal of this podcast, as with everything we do at Sanctus Nutrition, is to get you performing, feeling, and looking your best. If you are unfamiliar with us, we make top-of-the-line workout supplements backed by science, 100% naturally flavored. Check us out at Sanctus, that's S-A-N-C-T-U-S, nutrition, N-U, T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com. And you can use the promo code SANCTUS15 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Our guest this week is Matt McLeod. That's at Matt, M-A-T-T, McLeod, M-C-L-E-O-D-6, on Instagram and other social media platforms. Matt's the founder of McLeod Consulting Services. He's a 24-year-old fitness coach who recently graduated from the University of Kentucky with a bachelor's degree in dietetics. He is currently finishing up his dietetics internship and will soon be a registered dietitian. Matt's also a professional bodybuilder. He earned his NGA Natural Bodybuilding Pro Card in 2016. He takes pride in being an online fitness coach who teaches people to use fitness to enhance their life, not necessarily be their life. So Matt and I were introduced via his brother, Blake, who is actually a classmate of mine at the University of Kentucky College of Pharmacy, and I actually just finished up my Monday lifting session, which is a full upper body routine, which I developed based on a post Matt put on Instagram, along with my entire routine I'm running right now, is totally based on conversations and information I've gleaned from conversations with Matt as well as his Instagram. So he is just an absolute fountain of information. I hope you all take away as much from this conversation as I did. I learned a ton, had a blast doing it. Matt's a great guy, great conversationalist. So if you want to learn more about him, check out his website. It's mccloudconsultingservices.com. You can find him on Instagram at mattmccloud 6 and without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Matt McLeod. Matt, welcome to the show. How's it going? What's up, man? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on for everyone watching and listening. We're going to talk a lot about things related to fitness and health, but I'm also excited to dig into some business aspects as Matt has been actively growing his own business over the past you know, several months and I've been following along and I think we're going to get a lot of productive tidbits for those of you out there who may be on the fence or have even never even thought about opening your own business based on your skill set. So we're going to dig into a lot of things here, but before we get going, I want to ask you, Matt, you post on Instagram about the skinny kids you were in high school and yeah. then show your yeah. transformation to where you are now. So I, I, I've been curious, what exactly spurred you to make that initial transformation and get into health and fitness in high school? Mm -hmm. So it was, uh, it was, it was football, uh, to put it uh, quite simply. The, the main thing, um, was football. I started off sophomore year. Um, uh, I started off around, I want to say I was maybe like 155 pounds, 160 in that range, 155 to 165, soaking wet. I also had like Bieber hair. I had like the long hair, like full on. Like I was, I was all about it. Um, but then uh, I, I was playing football. I was playing cornerback, and uh, I just realized 
I realized how much uh, more of an advantage it is to be bigger and stronger and faster. And so I was like, okay, well, what I want to do is um, go to the gym basically after hours. So we had, we had like our school lifting and we had um, uh, like after or after school lifting and things like that. But um, I wanted to try and put in a little bit more work. And so I went to the local YMCA, which is still where I go now. And I was lifting. I was just, I, I was doing what everyone did. I either saw somebody who was really big and just like followed them around the gym and like tried to do the exercises they were doing. Or um, I just did like arms. Like that's all it was. I just, I kept doing biceps or something. And then one day um, I looked over and over, over in the squat rack and there was these big guys. It was our, um, it was our starting running back or starting fullback. Um, and this other big guy that I hadn't seen before. Um, and they were, they were using bands, they were using chains, they were loud, they were using chalk. Like I had no idea what was going on. Um, but all I knew was that I was really intrigued by that. And, uh, I was also a running back. Um, and so the, the, the main running back over there saw me. And so he came and talked to me a little bit. Um, and so I'm this little, little sophomore over here on the preacher curl doing some, doing some curls. And he was, uh, um, he was, he was, he was like, bro, you're lifting. He's like, you're lifting all wrong. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean I'm lifting wrong? And I didn't, at that point, I was just like, dude, I'm just lifting weights. Like, what do you mean I'm doing it right or wrong? He's like, bro, you're doing it all wrong. And I was like, okay. He was like, well, he was like, um, I think he said, then come over here with us. And so I went over there and then like, I started doing some of the stuff that they were doing. And then I kind of just, I really liked it. I liked the way that it made me feel. And I liked the main thing, I like being surrounded by those guys and then ha having the attention, to be honest, that's what it was. Like I had that attention and then um, they thought that uh, I worked hard enough to where they would invite me back. So then what I did was um, they asked me to come back and then I came back the next couple of days after practice. And then we started lifting and I was just following them around. I was just this little lost puppy, skinny kid who looked like Justin Bieber. And I was lifting with these dudes who were <laughs> lifting double and triple the amount of weight that I was doing, but I was still trying. And so that they, they saw that and they kind of took me under their wing. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how I got involved into the whole, it started off as powerlifting because of football. I just wanted to get stronger. And so I was doing what they were doing, but I was, I was lifting. Um, at one point I was lifting literally like three times a day. <laughs> it was it was seventh period lifting which usually I would try and slack off in because I knew I had two more workouts to come um and I also started to get a little bit of a big head on me and I started to gather up some knowledge and things and I was like oh I don't want to do what they're doing blah 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 or whatever um but then I had the seventh period lifting and then after school weightlifting and then after school weightlifting then I went over to the YMCA to lift with these other dudes and so I was I was lifting a lot to say the least. I was definitely overtraining probably in the very beginning, but like I was so young and it was so, I was such a newbie. Like I soaked up the gains, like it was ridiculous. Um, and, and then I, they just told me to eat. So that was another big thing that I had been um, uh, neglecting. I just, I wasn't eating enough. And as soon as I started to make an attempt to really focus on the amount of food that I was eating each day, um, like the, I, I just started blowing up and because I was exercising so much, I wasn't eating enough to, uh, to sustain that. 
And then, so I was like, I was eating peanut butter and jellies in the high school bathrooms. Like I was, I was getting in meals of meals, just whatever I could eat um, throughout the day. And so long story short, that's what got me into lifting. And I just got the bug. I start, people started looking at me differently. I started getting compliments. I started, I was bigger. Um, and then, uh, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's crappy to say sometimes like it's for the vanity reasons, but a lot of the vanity stuff was great. Like people looked at me like the, the muscular guy or the fitness guy. And then it was also working out well with football as well. Cause I was getting bigger and stronger, um, and faster, but, um, yeah, from sophomore year to senior year, senior year, I was up to, I think, uh, it's around what I'm at right now. I was like 190 to 195. Um, I was just, I was just a lot thicker. And so I played quarterback and fullback. And so that's not usually a uh, combination that you see very often, but I started out, out as a corner in sophomore year. And then, um, and then that led up to, to senior year playing fullback as well. And um, yeah. And then, and after that, so I was in the powerlifting um, for football, but then as I started to get bigger and then uh, football started to come to an end, like I was graduating and I, I didn't plan on playing in college. I was like, well, I really just like, you know, the act of lifting. It wasn't so much like playing football or anything like that. It was, it was lifting weights. It was getting stronger. It was um, just the feeling of going to, the, I got bit by the bug. That's what it was um, essentially. And then I, that's whenever I got into bodybuilding, I started because whenever you get into the lifting world, you're kind of, um, there's a bunch of different angles that can be thrown at you as far as either the powerlifting world, or the bodybuilding world or whatever. And then but lots of times they kind of intertwine and bleed into each other. And I got introduced to bodybuilding. And then, um, yeah, that's whenever I started to lift more for uh, aesthetics, as opposed to just getting stronger. And we can we can get into that in a minute if you want to. Um, right right but yeah but yeah that's the that's the that's the that's my spiel I guess of how I how I kind of got into it yeah yeah so you started off training for strength and performance in football and then mm -hmm. in 2016 you went for your pro card as far as natural bodybuilding so, see, so I competed um, in my first bodybuilding show my very first semester in college and I competed in my second bodybuilding show my very last semester in college. Gotcha, um, gotcha. The the, yeah, the first one I did, it was freshman year. I, I was in the dorms. I was in Kerwin Tower. Like I was, man, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was rough to say the least. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know how you want to go about that or get into that, but um, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, was, was there anything in particular that made you go after competing because you know a lot of people make that transition I think from training for strength for high school sports then they realize they want to do it for you know physique and vanity reasons but most people don't pursue competition what made you take that leap the football I didn't have the competition aspect of it anymore so like I I got done with football and like I mean we were we were fairly good um and so we were competing uh, in that. And then after school was over, I like, I was so serious about, about the gym and about the food and everything like that, um, that I was like, well, if I'm going to go this hard and, and somebody, uh, some of my other friends um, from the gym, basically, who knew more about bodybuilding, uh, they were like, 
they were like, have you ever thought about like competing or anything? Cause I was starting to get a little bit to my frame. I was starting to get a little bit more muscular where it was obviously at least like mediocre, I guess. And so, um, yeah, then they asked about bodybuilding. I was like, I don't know anything about it really. And so I kind of looked into it a little bit. Um, and then finally I had, uh, one of my older mentors from the gym basically, and he, he was like, he was like, he was like, you need to do it. Like we were talking one day, I remember it. And then uh, there at the gym while we were going back and forth, I was like, okay, I'll do one. Um, and that's, uh, that's whenever I decided at that moment I was going to try and do, it was the, uh, um, it's called the monster mash and it's in, it's in Ohio. I think it was Fairfield, Ohio. Um, but it was a natural bodybuilding show. Uh, that was one of the closest ones that was, that was to me. And um yeah so it was it was I saw an opportunity and it was so many weeks away or whatever um and then yeah I just I was like okay I mean what do I have to lose really uh so I I gave it a shot and um I ended up getting fourth in that show so it was but I had a blast like you'll see me if you see me in the in the photos like I'm there with my hands up like I was I was excited it was a really fun time yeah I would imagine let's uh let's go into details on that so how far out in advance did you begin planning um sorry you cut out a little bit no worries what'd you how say far, how far out in advance did you begin planning for the competition mm, mm. um so i think with with the training and everything i think a lot of people think that uh whenever you start a show like you drastically change your training like you start training much harder you start dieting much well the dieting part is true but as far as your training goes um uh the 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 easiest way to put it is uh um, the best way to build muscle is going to be the best way to hold on to that muscle as well whenever you're cutting weight um so like my i was still i was always training hard um and and training pretty consistently but that was um uh the the main the main thing that changed whenever uh i started the prep which was probably i did a 12 week prep Mm -hmm. and which is very short if for for most people if they're familiar with the natural bodybuilding world um a 12-week prep is pretty um it's pretty short uh i was i wasn't i didn't have a ton of body fat on me um you could like see my abs and stuff but it was nowhere where where i could do a 12-week prep and then be like shredded up on stage but i didn't know any better i had no idea what i was doing um I just, I saw what it was, was I, I hired, so I did hire a coach for that show. Um, there was a few people that I looked up to in the industry. Um, and, uh, one of them was Lane Norton. Do you know who that is? Mm -hmm. Lane Norton, bio lane. Um, so he did not prep me, but I reached out to him, uh, as a naive kid. I was like, Oh, I'll ask him how much his coaching is or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> needless to say, he quickly, uh, escorted me to somebody else who was offering a little bit more, uh, uh, cheaper prices. And, um, and so I started working with a guy named Paul Revelia. I don't know if you know who he is, but he, um, he's good friends with Lane. Uh, he owns his own, uh, coaching company called Pro Physique. Um, and he's a, he's a natural pub bodybuilder. Um, and he's a, he's just all around. He's a great guy. Um, but I, he gave me his packages or whatever. And 12 weeks, I think was like one of the cheapest ones. And I was like, why would I do it any longer if I could do it in 12 weeks? So I ended up doing the 12 week one and, um, I got, I got, I got fairly lean. Um, 
but but it wasn't. It was funny because the guy who ended up beating me actually played football at Highlands, mm-hmm. which is like you know who Ashland Ashland ends up playing in, ends up playing Highlands, but he was like a running back for Highlands or something. He was he was like he was super shredded and he looked great and he deserved to win for sure. Um, but as the experience as a whole, it was really fun and prepping in those dorms and things it taught like now that I look back at it I'm like holy shit how did I do that to be honest because it was like I was like a robot like it was it was this time this time because I had to be very uh meticulous about when I prepped my meals like because whenever I went because the I was on the ninth floor of the Kerwin Tower and the kitchen's in the basement and so I people I would meet people every day either down in the kitchen or on the elevators going up and down because I would, uh, um, I would, I would get all my food in this little box or whatever, all my chicken, everything. And then I would go down into the kitchen. I would prep maybe like two meals or something. And then I would, uh, come back up. I'd put one in the fridge. Uh, and then later on in the day, I think I was in the kitchen twice a day, but I was cooking multiple meals and I had to, figure all that out and then I had classes so certain days were a little bit different than others but yeah people and of course down in the basement there's some other people that cook uh, consistently and so eventually they were like hey dude what the hell are you doing down here eating eating the same meals at the same times every single day and so then I would have to get into it and 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 talk about it with a lot of people and uh Bodybuilding is a really weird sport, so a lot of people don't really understand what the hell you're doing. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about what your diet looked like during contest prep from you know that 12-week mark up into the days leading up to the competition? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so whenever I, hired, whenever I hired the coach, that's whenever I first actually got introduced into uh, counting your macros, and so if it fits your macros. and um, uh, he sent me, he sent me my numbers and he sent me the calories and, and the protein, carbs and fats. And then, um, he had a bunch of lists of foods that I could essentially choose from. And that's whenever, uh, uh, yeah, that's whenever I first started to realize, um, that's when my first real introduction into nutrition kind of, uh, uh, that was the genesis of my awareness into the nutritional realm, I guess. Uh, because it was, it was tough for me at first to adjust. I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to hit this. I've got to hit this. I've got to make sure that I get my fiber goal. And so like, I remember sitting in my kitchen, like on my fitness pal, trying to puzzle piece all these different macronutrients and stuff together and plan out like my perfect day or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, that's uh, what it was, was he, uh, he got my intake essentially, um, before before we started to work in together, I just sent him uh, my food log for a couple of days, and then this is this was a while ago, so I'm trying to make sure that I remember. But this was essentially what he did, and then um, he gave me some macronutrients to hit, and literally, uh, uh, oh, and he also gave me some cardio recommendations as well. Um, and then it w- it wasn't anything super fancy. I think I had a refeed um, maybe like once a week. It was like maybe like every five days or. Um, yeah, I think it was like once every five days. And so that would just be a little bit lower fat and a little bit higher carb. Um, and then um, it was essentially just linear. Like it was just, it was slowly adding in a little bit more cardio and taking away a little bit more calories. 
and my protein was high, obviously. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, I ended up, who knows, I probably ended up around the 1800 to 2000 calorie mark as far as uh, how much I was eating towards the end of the prep. Um, uh, and I was, I was really hungry. That was, that was all new to me as well. Like I'd never, I'd never not been able to satisfy my hunger. And at the end of a bodybuilding prep, like it's just, uh, you're just hungry all the time. Like there's nothing, nothing really you can do about it. You just have to embrace it, to be honest. And, um, and then at the end, uh, of course we have, uh, so you have like the peak week and then, so that's just the, the week leading up to the show. And uh, it wasn't anything too crazy. All you do, essentially, I think what we did was just we, I was, I was drinking a ton of water. Um, and then as the show came in, you kind of uh, taper it off a little bit. Uh, but we didn't cut it out completely like uh, you'll, you'll hear a lot of coaches do. Um, and, and as far as sodium and things like that, we, we, we tracked my sodium for a week or two prior and so we had that number. And then just whenever it gets closer to the show, you just, you drop it down a little bit. Um, and you can do these things with carbs. You can manipulate your carbs. It depends. You can um, backload it or front load it. Essentially, you can take in a lot of carbs in the beginning of the week and then slowly decrease them as the show comes on. And then you increase them again, or you can uh, do vice versa. You can go like lower carb or lower calories. And then as the show comes up, you start to eat more and more and more. And then that essentially is supposed to help fill you out, um, uh, restores glycogen, um, just makes you look fuller and makes your lines hopefully stick out a little bit more, but it's got to be a fine line because you don't want to overdo it and then you overshoot it and then you spill over. And then so you look a little bit blurrier up on stage. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, it wasn't, it, it was, it was nothing crazy. It was whole foods. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I didn't, I didn't do anything too crazy. I didn't like go out of my way to fit in a bunch of junk food or anything like that into the macronutrients, just because I didn't, I didn't know hardly anything. I was still, um, I was still a kinesiology major at that time, or I might have even been undecided. I think, um, whenever I first came into college, I think I was undecided for the first like two semesters, and then uh, I went into kinesiology and I wanted to be a physical therapist, and then I had to take chemistry, and I was like, holy shit, this is terrible. <laughs> which year you're probably a fan of but uh uh yeah no the, the chemistry was my uh, achilles heel as in why i basically didn't do physical therapy and uh that's whenever i decided i think sophomore year uh to to switch over to dietetics um and we can we can get into that if you want to that's that's always fun um but yeah that's that's basically it the, the diet wasn't anything too crazy it wasn't too crazy what did you change your second time around for your second show? Um, I had a, I had a different coach. Um, and this is a guy that I had already worked with for probably a year prior to this. So we already, we knew each other. I had been doing his training programs. Um, he'd been working with me on my nutrition. Uh, and then um, uh, we did a 22 week prep, which was a way better idea. Um, so this was in 20, this was in 2016. I did a 22 week prep this time and I started off, I think it was at the heaviest that I'd ever been. So I was around 203 and, um, and then died it for 22 weeks. And then I stepped on stage around 165. 
So this is at 203, like I, I, I still had my abs. Like I could still see my abs. I was a little bit fluffy, but um, I still had a little bit of definition. And so if that tells you how much you have to actually lose in order to step on stage. And I was still, don't get me wrong, I was lean, but like compared to the natural pro bodybuilders um, nowadays, like you have to be like sickly. <laughs> like you have, it's it's it, the best the best thing that I've ever heard is is it's controlled starvation essentially is what it is and um you just you have to be so ridiculously lean and I had to towards the end of my prep I had to fight a fine line between um do I want to get leaner and possibly risk a little bit of my size and maybe look a little bit stringier or was I gonna um still try and maybe lose a little bit less but stay a little bit fuller and so that way I didn't, uh, I didn't look like a string bean up on stage. And I think we, I think we did the right decision and I didn't, I didn't end up cutting too much more. Um, so yeah, I stepped on the stage around 165. And so I lost a total of like 30 to 35 pounds or something uh, ridiculous. And whenever you see me in the first picture, you wouldn't think that I would have 35 pounds to lose to step up on stage, but people don't realize how much body fat they actually have. Um, especially whenever you're up on stage, you have those bright lights down on you. Like you're, you're in, you're in the mankini. Um, like it's, you have nothing to hide. There's nothing to hide at all. And so if you, um, yeah, if you have even a little bit of fat on your glutes or, or whatever, like they're going to see it. Um, they're going to see all of it. And so I think, uh, I just, I did all right as far as, uh, riding that line. And, um, he was, he was a he was a great coach. Uh, the guy I was with, his name's Jacob Trout. He used to work with, um, the strength guys is what they're called. But you know who Jeff Nippert is by chance? Uh, that name rings a bell. How you spell Yeah, he, he's a big YouTube guy now. He's a big YouTube guy. Um, but he, uh, um, he, it's back whenever he was a part of the strength guys, actually. Um, they, had, they had a few guys uh, on their team that are now kind of doing their own thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I was with Jacob, and he, uh, he was a natural pro himself. And so uh, it was it was awesome this time around. It was it was tough because it was longer, but it was it was definitely it was worth it. It was it was great. Yeah. Jumping into the dietitian degree. So you mentioned you originally went in wanting to be a PT. Chemistry wasn't your thing. Did you always have dietetics as kind of a, a I don't want to say backup option, but what, a, an alternative that you had in mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's just they're so they're so synergistic already. Like you, it's really hard to have one without the other. And so my thinking was uh, was um, with if I wanted to be, uh, whenever I decided to make the switch after I I couldn't do PT, uh, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And so that's kind of whenever I went into the strength coach route. I wanted to be some kind of coach. I didn't know if I wanted to work in a gym. I didn't know if I wanted to work with a team, uh, I, like a sports team a college team or anything like that. I just wasn't sure, but I actually read an article by Alan Aragon. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I read an article by him and it was literally on this topic of, should I get an exercise science degree or should I get a dietetics degree or something? It was something along those lines because he ended up getting a dietetics degree, but he was like the only one in his class who didn't actually get his, his RD. Um, but anyway, I was looking, I was looking into it and, if you wanted to be a personal trainer, if you wanted to be a coach, like 
you don't have to have a four-year degree as a lot of people may know just by looking on instagram you can pay for a weekend course and boom you're a personal trainer um and so uh what i did was i realized okay what i could do is i could go the nutrition route which i feel like is a lot more complicated and a lot more um difficult for most people to to understand and to um uh, uh it's, it's, it's just harder. It's harder for people to do. If you ask them what's harder going to the gym or eating uh, healthier foods, it's usually going to be healthier foods. And so I wanted to get into that. I wanted to learn in more about that. And um, I knew that I could get a dietetics degree and become a registered dietitian. And I had, uh, so that would be a tool. So I could either um, go and work in a hospital setting or an outpatient setting or something, just wherever I wanted to as a dietitian, or I could use the credential um, as just more, uh, more credibility as a coach and pr provide more opportunities for myself if I wanted to go the online coaching route um, or a trainer or uh, um, whatever, because all the stuff that I had learned even up to that point, as far as the exercise part, it was all my own. Like that's, I, I back, if we rewind it back to whenever I started out playing football or whatever in high school, like that's my obsession with learning. And uh, uh, I just knew that the more that I learned, the, 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 the better results I was going to get. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is nice. And so I started reading. I mean, I was reading in school, um, like in the periods, obviously there's so many downtime, so much downtime in high school. Um, I would read just random articles from people. And so I just started slowly filtering my way through all the bullshit. And that's whenever I got introduced to Lane. And then that's whenever I got introduced into the evidence-based world. And as soon as I found out, um, I was like, oh, there's actually science behind all this stuff, you know? Like, that's what I got really, um, that's when I got really excited about all of it. Because I was like, oh, the science stuff, like, that's where it's at. Because that's where all the smartest people and all the best because Lane was a pro natural bodybuilder as well. All the best. If you look at now, a lot of the best pro natural bodybuilders, they also have their PhD or like they're, they're just super smart people in the industry. Um, they know what they're doing or they know of other people in the industry that are really smart that they work with. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of how it all happened. Um, wow. And I just really lost my train of thought. What, what was the question again? What were we talking about? Mainly looking at what led you to pursue oh, the dietetics degree. Dietetics yeah, but yeah, but then that's what, that's what it was. Like I loved learning about both training and nutrition so that like they were both my children and I knew that um, either way, whichever one I picked, I was still going to learn a lot about the other one. Um, but yeah, that's why I decided to go with the dietetics degree was because um, I had that toolbox at my disposal, whatever I wanted to do. I could still be a personal trainer without that, exercise science degree um so i was like okay might as well go to the dietetics route become an rd um have that credential uh and and just have more opportunities uh at my disposal so yeah yeah what are some common misconceptions about rds that you've you've come across Ooh, that's a good one mm, i would say some common misconceptions. I would say, you know, what's funny is whenever I first, um, whenever I, it was, it was back whenever I first started reading about things, I got into, uh, have you ever heard of carb backloading by chance? 
Yes, and, yes Dr. Uh, Keeper. Yeah, yeah, with Dr. Keeper. So I, I, I was on his forums uh, and everything. He was one of the first people as well that I got into. It's funny, this, he, him and Lane were two of the first people that I got into, but I got into Kiefer, I think, first, and I was listening to Lane as well. But then what happened was Lane started making fun of the Kiefer guy and about the car backloading, and he was, like, saying he was cherry-picking data and stuff. And then my mind was just, like, that's whenever my first critical thinking moment came in because I was like, oh, shit, I've got two guys that I trust, and now they're batting heads together. I was like, so how do I know which one's right? And then, cause I was just listening to whatever they said as gospel. I was like, okay, whatever they're saying is clearly working. That was the first time where I had to uh, uh, detach myself from myself and kind of get an outside view of what I was thinking. And I was like, okay, all these preconceived notions of what I thought to be true, um, uh, they may not be true. And so I had to figure out who was right and who was wrong. And it wasn't, it wasn't, okay, Lane's right and Keeper's wrong. It was just the, the the data the data can be uh, it can be a little bit blurry sometimes and Kiefer may have cherry picked a few he he might not have looked at all of the data but now as I learn more about business and things like that like he was running his business and he was picking that as a niche and 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 all in all the stuff that he was promoting with car backloading it wasn't anything like terrible or anything like that he was just manipulating meal timing uh, and nutrient timing and uh, um, uh, that kind of stuff. But um, as far as, and what I'm getting at with this is in the forums, uh, lots of times they would bash registered dietitians. I remember that I was, um, I, I don't think I ever bashed a dietitian, but I had in my mind at one point, I was like, okay, all these dietitians, they don't know what they're talking about or whatever. All the stuff that's being taught now is crap. Um, everything is, is garbage or whatever. Uh, and then later I come to find out that I'm going to end up being one. Uh, but that, that's kind of, it shows the growth of my mindset and how um, I, I, one of the, one of the, one of the best um, uh, quotes I ever heard was off the Tim Ferriss podcast. Actually, it was, um, uh, with, what's his name? He's a crap. I can't think of his name right now, but it was off of this tool, tools of Titans book, I think, or perhaps it was the tribe of mentors. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it was, str it was strong beliefs loosely held. Um, and that was by, um, he's some big billionaire and, um, billionaire or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was strong views loosely held. And I really like that because whenever you, whenever you think about it, you have really strong conviction in what you're saying, but as soon as there's other, um, evidence or something like that, that comes in and contradicts your beliefs, you've got to be open-minded and you've got to be able to, um, uh, change those if you're, if your true uh, end goal is to actually get closer to the truth, because that's what it is. You're never going to find out hundred percent what's right, and what's wrong. But if you can get closer to that truth, I think that's, um, that's the mindset you have to have. And that's what led me into um, learning, learning more about um, dietitians and uh, kind of opened my mind a little bit more. And, um, and, so with, with the misconceptions with them, I would say that there's definitely going to be some shitty ones out there. Don't get me wrong. Everybody, or not everybody, but some people are going to have an agenda and some people are going to use that RD credential, just like every other, um, uh, every other field they're going to use just pharmacy for sure. could be one. They're going to use, they're going to use those credentials as a way to, um, uh, promote their product or promote their service or 
whatever, they've got doctor in front of their name. So they're everything they say is, is, is pure as can be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I would say that there, there are a lot of crappy ones out there, but, um, as a whole, uh, the, the, the majority of what dietitians are going to say, as far as the nitty gritty stuff, um, I think that's where things can get kind of, kind of blurry. Um, whenever you're, whenever you're talking about, uh, low carb or low fat or, uh, things like that, that's where a lot of the dietitians can disagree with each other. But as far as, um, as far as their message as a whole, as in eating more nutritious foods, eating whole foods, eating fruits and vegetables, eating lean proteins, like I feel like that's not a bad thing to promote. Um, I think it's where some of them get more narrow with their focus and they try and um, uh, their conviction is so strong that they're sometimes not as open-minded or they're they're only looking at part of the evidence and not the rest of the evidence. And so uh, that's where, yeah, that's where it can get really, um, that's where it can get really tricky. And so, yeah, with, with the dietitians, I think, um, you've just got to, you've got to look into it. You've got to do your research on them. You've got to see um, how they say things. You've got to ask questions. I think that's a big determinant of uh, whether people know what they're talking about or not. Like how many times they say, I don't know. Um, because that's another thing that I've realized as I've gone through my rotations in my internship where I go in different settings. So I work in the hospital and then I'm working right now, like with the outpatient setting where I work with bariatric um, patients. Um, there's, there's so nutrition as a whole to be an expert in nutrition. Um, even just saying that alone can be misleading because you have, you have nutrition for athletes, you have nutrition for, of oncology for cancer patients. You have, uh, nutrition for, uh, people who are just celiacs. Like there's so many different niches within dietetics and within nutrition. You couldn't possibly like eating disorders. There's so many different things that you could become an expert in, um, within nutrition. So you see what I'm saying? Like there's so many different pockets that you can choose from and acting like you're going to know all of them. Like mine would be the, the health and fitness field, like the, the body composition, essentially. So gaining muscle and losing fat. I would say that's what I would be closer to an expert in as opposed to, say, uh, eating disorders or working with cancer patients or um, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, I think that's another misconception. The, the dietitians that you come to aren't going to know everything there is to know about nutrition. It's just not going to happen because there's so much to cover. But the basics of what they're saying uh, moderation, uh, balance, um, getting in mostly whole foods, nutritious foods to fuel your, fuel your body. Like I think as a whole, the message is, the message is pure, but, uh, on a one-to-one that's where, that's where things can get a little bit more difficult. So yeah. Sign up for everyone watching and listening. We will have notes afterwards with links to everything Matt's discussed. I know the exact quote you're talking about from Tim Ferriss, and it's going to bug me until as soon as it's, it's like, we're going to look it up and figure out like who said last, that. You know what? I'm going to look it up right now. I think his last name was like, it's like Hindelson or Mendelson or um, it's strong. I think it's strong beliefs. Loosely held. Loosely held. Here it is. Wait, I got it in three, two, where is it? Hold on. Wait, wait. Um, dang. Okay. Well, uh, this is, 
Okay, well, Ryan Holiday, this one just popped up. He's got to have the right one. Oh, here it is. Oh, wait, no. Yes, no. Hasselbecks? I don't think that's right, though. Um, I could have sworn. Yeah, well, well, we'll figure it out later. But I really thought. But, yeah, it's somebody It's somebody that's really smart in Tim Ferriss' books that makes a lot of money that is probably worth listening to at least a little bit. And whenever I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great um, – I feel like that's a great uh, uh, message to kind of kind of live by, especially in a field like a uh, science-based field, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because the science we have available is constantly changing. And exactly. It's, it's not going to be set, you know, what you learn now may not apply mm-hmm. in 40 years. You just never know what's going oh, on. Of course. And, I mean, just ask the ask all the low-carb people right now, like the the the, the – um, conspiracies and stuff behind like the sugar industry or whatever you know like first it was it was low fat and high carb and now it's starting to trend a little bit more to uh lower carb and high fat and so i think those things are kind of cyclical um uh but yeah it's just i think the answer always results to like what what does the evidence say like i don't think um we could get into that completely as far as picking sides and tribalism and things like that that drives me insane but um (laughs) <laughs> I think so many people are worried about picking the right side or whatever. And I was like, I think having sides to begin with is the wrong idea. Like you shouldn't have a side, you should have evidence. And then that's that, and evidence and then like no evidence. Um, and, and whenever I say evidence, that could be, that could be anecdotal evidence as well. I'm not just saying what it says in the papers um, because the papers are important, but it only tells part of the story. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people or getting confused with the low carb stuff because you have so many people that are like, oh, I did low carb for whatever and lost 30 pounds and it's great and changed my life. Like for that person, what am I supposed to tell them? Like, oh, hey, no, you should do low carb or you should do low fat instead. Like, no, like that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, it's, you've got to, you've got to be willing to adapt. That's, that's for sure. And try your best to not have biases, but obviously that can be very difficult, but if you just keep looking at what the available evidence says, that's going to be your best bet, to be honest. I think this may already be on your mind, but what what would you say is the most commonly held belief or maybe one or two beliefs in your field that you, you may disagree with, or you, you want to see change? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as a system as a whole, I feel like lots of times as I've gone through, um, as I've gone through the, the clinical setting first, so working with patients in the hospital, um, and then now where, like I said, I'm, I'm one-to-one weight loss counseling with a lot of bariatric patients who are three, four, 500 pounds, um, who supposedly have tried everything. Um, you just, there's a lot of, uh, things being said, I think as a whole, it's very easy to baby people in, uh, uh, in, in the, in the exercise field. And I understand you don't want to, um, you don't want to hurt feelings. And this isn't in a way, uh, whenever I say, um, babying people, I just think that a lot of people try and sugarcoat the truth. And that is what is holding these people back for so long in the first place because no one's willing to tell them the truth. Like uh, I wrote a post um, on my blog, actually it was, it was called uh, um, uh, is body positivity a dangerous idea. And um, I got a 
lot of the majority of that was uh, uh, good feedback, um, but then some of it was uh, not as good as you can think. So body positivity as a whole is uh, a huge, a huge topic right now um, uh, in in the fitness industry and in the uh, nutrition field as well. Being comfortable in your own body, but I argue I was like, okay, I understand body positivity and being comfortable in your own skin. Um, and being confident and all that. I think that that is amazing. But you should not be confident. Or you, no, you, it's not that you shouldn't be confident. You shouldn't be accepting of your body if you're putting yourself in harm's way. So like if you're completely overweight and you're completely obese and you're just saying, no, I'm, I'm okay with my body. Like I love who I am. Uh, I'm comfortable in my own skin. Like uh, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. It's all subjective, whatever. Like, okay cool but like your triglyceride levels don't lie like you're um like you're 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 gonna have all these different things like all these different health markers that are that are all screwed up and just because you think that just because your body positive doesn't mean that you're healthy and so like there's there's a fine line between accepting yourself and delusion um you can't uh that's just i i that's that's the thing like so many people talk about um accepting their bodies and this is a point that i bring up in the article people talk about accepting their bodies they love the way they are and i was like that's that's a stupid idea because one you can't accept something and also be actively trying to change that thing that 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 goes against accepting you're not accepting it if you're trying to change it so one the terminology is wrong um um but and also um uh like it's just it's just not good. Like I said, there's that fine line between uh, body acceptance and then also just like being unhealthy and then trying to uh, uh, just scream louder that you are pretty, that you are whatever. Like, I I think, I think the people that push that kind of stuff, I think for the most part, their, their intentions are good. That's, I think their intentions are pure. And that's what I say in the beginning of the article. Um, I, I say that there's a lot of people out there um, that I know that do struggle with their body image. I think that um, it's not something that should just be brushed aside or just say uh, like something we shouldn't care about. I, I don't think that at all, but I think it can get dangerous just just like with everything, with nutrition, with life, whatever. You have these extremes and usually there you have the extreme of uh, caring a ton, obsessing over what you look like day in and day out. And then also you have over here where it's okay, I don't care at all. I'm comfortable with my skin. Like, I don't care what you say, um, whatever. Like both of those are wrong. Um, and I think the answer lies in the middle. And I think what a lot of these people that, um, I've been working with, um, the, the, the thing that they have to hear is like the, they have to have that tough love. They have to say like, listen, you're, you're, you, you've been doing this for so long. The things that you've been doing aren't working. So like you need to try out what we're saying. And usually this comes back to um, a lot of the things that I like to, to talk about uh, on my Instagram and what I do with my clients in general. And that's, uh, that's objective data. So you, you track your food, um, you, you see what you're eating, you have a food log um, of each day. Um, they, uh, at the place that I work out, they weigh them like every week or every, or every month. Um, and I still don't think that that can always be the best because I, I understand a lot of these people have bad relationships with the scale, but I just made a post on this the other day. Whenever you don't step on the scale, 
this is still tricky and it's something that I've still been thinking about because I can see kind of both ways where a lot of people don't want to step on the scale and some people do have an overly obsessive mentality with the scale and what it means. And so this, this, is, this isn't a blanket statement. This is going to come down to individual context. But for the most part, I think a lot of people don't step on the scale because they don't want to, um, they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. You know, like the reason why people don't want to step on the scale is because like they're screwing up and they're not like they're, they know that the scale is going to be like, Oh, Hey, you've gained weight, whatever you've been doing, like you need to not do that anymore. <laughs> and like, I think, I think a lot of people take that as their self-worth, like, Oh, I'm up two pounds or whatever. So what I'm doing is not working. They, they get very hyper-focused on that one number um, of that morning of that specific time and they have so many other things they could have done who knows they could have got four hours of sleep the night before and their their weight could have been screwed up and so but then they think all oh, my progress is lost but instead what they should have done is if you take it every day honestly take the weight down and try and not think about it at all and you'll be good to go because then what you could do is look at the trends so that's what i do with my clients i posted this on my instagram the other day i had a client he had a he had a gaining cycle and his gaining went like this, like it went up and down, up and down, up and down. But the general trend was up. It was, it was linear. It was going up. And then he started cutting and then it was up and down and up and down, up and down on a day to day basis. But as far as the trend going down, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was basically linear. Um, so I think that to, to, to wrap it all into one, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of preying on people's insecurities, which this works out really well whenever they're already not confident at all in the skin that they're in. Like I was just looking at a, I put it on my Instagram the other day. Um, I was looking, I was, I had to look up nutritional counseling within uh, the Ashland. Uh, well, I shouldn't say this because I'm going to call people out, but within the area. And I was just coming, I came across one. And then on their front, on the front page, it was like, um, it, it was like struggle losing weight. It's like, don't blame yourself, blame your hormones. And I was like, what? kind of like I understand that there's there's different uh, hormonal things that can go on uh, different conditions or whatever that can make weight loss more difficult I understand that but this was not targeted to people who have diagnosed conditions of uh, these certain uh, diseases or conditions or whatever and they're trying to help them this is towards the average soccer mom or something you know like the one who's who thinks that she's been struggling with weight forever because she's tried everything um, and, uh, they're trying to just prey on what she doesn't know. They were using all these fancy words. They were talking about ketosis. Um, they were, it was just, it was just sickening to me because they're, they're, they're setting these people up for failure. One, first off, they're already taking the blame off the person. I think that that is the, I, I think, I think if you, that mentality is just so dangerous in so many things, having that victim mentality is just terrible. And it is. Um, uh, just, it, it doesn't, that's not where true confidence comes from. True confidence comes from facing whatever problems you have head first. Like you, you've got to go into that dragon, like face first and, and fight off whatever that is, um, uh, that is bugging you. And then you have to change it. Like you have to fix it. You have to slay the dragon. And then whenever you do that, that's what builds confidence. So I want to transition and start talking about McLeod Consulting Services. So for those unfamiliar, give us a little background on it. Tell us what inspired you to start it. Uh, you know, what exactly you're offering as far as your services go. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, it was, it was kind of random. Um, it was not something that I had uh, pre-planned necessarily. It was just kind of, so I, I was at, I, I went to UK and um, I was consistently working out there. Uh, and I had uh, a few of my local hometown friends who also work out at the gym. And so I see them all the time and I talk to them and they know that I'm into the fitness stuff and they know that um, uh, I had been, I think they'd been following me. And so I had been putting out a little bit of content on Instagram and just like randomly um, just for fun, just because I liked it. It wasn't because I was trying to get any clients or anything like that. I just enjoyed it. Um, and then, so one of my buddies, uh, came up and, and asked me if I'd help him out. And, uh, he was like, do you care to do a training and diet plan for me? Uh, because I'll, and I'll pay you. And I was like, okay, sure. Like that's, I've been, I've been wanting to get into coaching and stuff for a while. And so I was like, well, I guess this works. Like he came up and asked me, so I might as well go ahead and do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I wrote him, uh, my first, training and nutrition plan, uh, for 45 bucks. And I was honestly, I was just doing, uh, that price because I feel like if you give stuff for free to people, whenever it comes to something, uh, as extensive as like a coaching program, one-to-one -one thing, whether you're trying to get them results, if they're, if it's for free, they're probably not going to try nearly as hard. Um, and, and so I was like, okay, I'll charge just a bare minimum of 45 bucks a month. And, um, uh, so I started from there and I, I used the knowledge that I had. Uh, and I also had a coach at the time. I had the same coach who helped me win my pro card. Um, uh, and so I, I was asking him questions and, uh, I was running things similar, uh, to, to how he was doing it. Um, and, uh, so I started helping this kid out and he started getting good results and then he was in a fraternity and he started talking to his buddies and I had other friends uh, who were interested as well. And so it was literally just a few of my friends from the gym uh, that, that came up to me and was like, Hey, would you care to help me? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. So then before I knew it, I started to have whatever, maybe like three or four clients or something like that. And they were all paying me. And I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. Uh, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I was using uh, Snapcash as my method of, of transferring payments. <laughs> um, and uh, or it was just like straight cash, just they would just give me money. Um, and we would we would do it that way. Um, and then from there, yeah, it just it started building. I, I found um, uh, I don't know if you know the guys over at uh, DeNovo Nutrition. Um, but they, uh, they have, um, they have a guy, their name, Luke Johnson. He's also the guy who, who found the shredded by shredded by science, um, and all that kind of the SBS Academy. Uh, there's a lot of that stuff, but he made a product that was the first product like this out and it was called the online coaching blueprint. And he doesn't even sell this anymore. I don't know. He just, he sold this literally for, I think for one or two years and I got super lucky and it was right at the time that I needed a product just like that. And, um, that's, that's what I bought. And so it was, uh, I don't know, it was a couple hundred dollars. And so I just made, made an investment into that. And he, it was a, it was an amazing course. It was so great. It went over everything. And I still use, um, like they had training templates designed and everything. I still use a lot of the stuff that I learned in that program 
uh, or in that course today. So it was, it was a huge investment. Um, it was a great, it was a great, great move. Um, and then other than that, it, it was, it was funny cause it was literally, um, it was literally a recycling of what I did with training and nutrition with business. Like I started to find people in the industry who, uh, who I trusted. And it, this was, this was easier because a lot of the people in the fitness industry already like talking about who they listen to for business or whatever. So it was easy for me to kind of filter out things, um, a lot more quickly, uh, because I just, I went with who they trusted. And from there, I just started, uh, I started reading books. Like I started reading articles online and it's, it's still that way today. Like that's, if I wasn't on this call right now, like that's probably what I would be doing. Well, actually not today because today is whenever I update all my clients. But yeah, essentially every morning, that's what I would do. I would wake up and I would try and just learn something. And so with, and with business, it's even more fun because it's like a game. <laughs> it's a very, very difficult game, but it's a, it's a very rewarding game um, uh, whenever you can, get, you can get paid for it uh, because of something that you offer. And that's a really, really good feeling. And I still have that first $45. Um, I remember I was, um, I was standing. It's funny. I can see it right now. I was in a different apartment. Uh, that's actually right across uh, this basketball court right here outside my window. I was out on the balcony with one of my friends. And it was late at night. And then I got the snap cash. I got the $45. Like he sent me money. And I was like, holy shit. Like this is the first payment that I've ever gotten from somebody else for my service. And I just knew in that, just like the same mindset that I have, I had that growth mindset. I was like, this will be something that I can look back on. Um, that's really cool. So I still have that first transaction saved um, in a picture on my phone. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it's essentially, it's just built up. Uh, it's built up from there. I started to put out more content. I started to uh, gain more clients, word of mouth, um, and, and, and just trying to learn as I've gone along, just like I am now. And, uh, with McLeod consulting services, one of the, um, the, the first things that I wanted to do was to build a website and clearly McLeod, McLeod consulting services could be the worst URL ever because one, my name is hard to spell and two, it's long <laughs> shit, but that's the best, that's the best that I could do. Um, at the time. And I, it, that's, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned with business is you just got to say, screw it. And just like, keep going. You just got to keep trying to go forward. I didn't want to dwell on, Oh, I can't get, I can't get it some perfect URL or whatever. I knew that later on in life, I could change it if I wanted to. And the, what mattered the most was going to be the content on that page. And, uh, um, I, I liked, uh, I liked, I started to like writing. I started to like um, the whole process of writing and people started to give me good feedback on what I was writing on Instagram. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I want to make a blog. And so I decided to put up um, my first blog post and uh, <clears throat> it got pretty good feedback. And so from there, literally all I did was um, I started to make a, uh, my own little business plan and my business plan was uh if you could see it i have this whiteboard in my room and uh i had uh i had five markers on there it was like one instagram post a day one facebook post a day one post to my client facebook page um one blog post a week uh and one email a week or something and so i had 
tally marks next to each one of those. So again, going back to the nutrition thing, objective data that you can look at and say, okay, I've done X, Y, and Z these past couple of days. So what's working, what's not working, um, using some kind of data to, to measure my progress. And these were, so uh, as I said, uh, making posts, making blog posts, um, Instagram content, these are all process goals. So I wasn't like make $2,000 a month by X day or whatever. These actions, these process goals are going to lead to the outcome eventually. But what this did was allow me to uh, not focus on that end goal, but to focus on each one of those things every single day. And if I was doing each one of those every single day, I started to realize my growth started to get better and better. Um, it was just the consistency. Like, like I tell with all of my clients, with everybody, that consistency is huge. And so eventually on this board, it was just, it was just line after line after line every single day. And it started to add up and that's motivation. It's just like some people use the calendar. They'll use like the red X or whatever. This was my like red X system. Um, I had it up there and it was after reading, <laughs> it was after reading uh, an article. Have you ever heard of James Clear by chance? I haven't. Um, James Clear is a great one. So he's, he's got, um, he's got some, some fitness and health stuff on, on his site, but his stuff is more about the psychology of things. Um, and, um, about habits and procrastination. And, uh, I, I love, I love how he has meshed the behavioral psychology side with a lot of the nutrition stuff. Um, and, and I use some of his, his things, uh, from time to time, but his, he had an article on, uh, continuous improvement. And that's what it was. It was an article about some baseball player uh, who had, I think he had uh, a really great batting percentage or something, or he was like a really good hitter. And he, somebody asked like what his secret was or something. And like, he took him down into his basement or whatever. And it had tally marks like all over his basement wall. And that was how many like swings or how many hits, how many practice swings he took every single day or something. It was just, it was just that continuous improvement of, of, of refining your skill over and over again. And what this did was, uh, one, it gave me the objective data to look at what I was doing to make sure that I was putting in the work every single day. And two, it, it made me constantly, just like in, in the bench press or something, uh, it's a skill. So you've got to, uh, you want to make sure every single one of those repetitions on the bench press are perfect or like shooting free throws because you get better and better and better and better. And so if I was putting out, it's funny, you can go back on my Instagram, go back like to the beginning and just like look at the progression. It is, it's, it's insane to be honest. Like look at the writing, look at the captions. Like I, I, I purposefully not made um, a, a different Instagram or whatever, cause I'm, I'm just selling myself. I'm selling a personal brand. <laughs> and even with my blog posts, like you can go back to the very first blog post, like it's okay. But I mean, it's definitely not something that I would be proud of necessarily today. Um, but, but seeing that progression uh, is, is huge. And I think it's really relatable for a lot of people. So if anybody that would be happening to listen to this would be interested in, uh, or, or they're, they're, they're not feeling the best about their business or they're, or they're worried about um, getting started or like, being a perfectionist or something. Cause I, I would say that I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. Like I don't want to put out shit, but you realize that uh, you don't want to have paralysis by analysis and just not put anything out. And so that's whenever uh, uh, you just, I think uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was one talking about you're at bats and putting out content, the benefits of putting out content every day is that 
sometimes you'll get a home run. If you're, if you're hitting every single day, the opportunity to hit a home run is, is, is really high. And uh, uh, so that's, that's what I started doing. And I used my board um, to, to have that objective data. And then what I did was after the check marks or the tally started to fill up and it became easier and easier for me to do that, to hit those goals, I made it two Instagram posts a week or a day. And then I had um, uh, the blog posts were still one today. But then I had like two Facebook posts, whatever. I just made the goals harder for me to hit. And essentially, that's what I did for <laughs> all of last year. And eventually, I made it up to uh, to three posts a day on Instagram. And that's um, that's where a lot of my Instagram growth came from, uh, using hashtags. Uh, and this is whenever the whole the infograph started to become really popular uh, as of last year. And uh, so I started doing research on those. Um, and um, then I hired a business coach, actually. So Jordan Syatt, mm-hmm. um, he was my uh, business coach for a few months. I went to a uh, <clears throat> seminar with him and Mike Vacanti, who are both Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, trainers. And uh, one of the things that he got me started on was those infographics. He was one of the first people to do those infographics and blow up his in- Instagram. And so uh, I started doing those. And then I also started making videos uh, as well with like exercise technique um, and just, it's just all, all it is to sum up all of that word vomit that I just spit out. Um, it's, it's finding um, where people's attention is. Uh, this is a big thing that Gary V talks about finding people's attention and then putting good content in front of their faces that adds value to them. And then don't expect anything back in return. So I'm putting out all this free shit to people and I never asked them for anything. And, but what happened as a result was I started gaining more Instagram followers. Um, I started getting more contact or uh, yeah, uh, connecting with more people, putting my name out there. And then I started getting people to ask me, they were like, Hey, do you do coaching? Or like, uh, do you uh, like, uh, um, can I work with you? Do you care to write me a program or something? And that was one thing that probably would have changed and which I would still change now, to be honest. I don't, in my Instagram posts, I don't mention uh, my clients and things like that enough, or I don't, I don't make them more business savvy. I guess a lot of the people you'll see a lot of the smart business people will make their posts. Like uh, they'll throw something in on how they work with their clients or um, they'll throw in uh, uh, whatever they'll mention one of their products. Like this is exactly what I did with so-and-so or whatever. I'm just, I usually just like put out what I think is going to be helpful. And I think that that, that helps too, because people don't think that you're just trying to, you know, get a client from that or whatever. All that actually does is it happens by default. Like I said, people will message me. Uh, the, the majority of my, um, uh, the majority of my clients last year came from Instagram, uh, to be honest, <laughs> people just messaging me. And then I sent them, I had my, uh, with the website, like you don't need, I, I did my website through Squarespace. Um, I did it all by myself. Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and it was funny, there was, a, uh, there was a point in time whenever I was first making my website. And uh, I sent a snap to Jordan Syatt. And uh, I was just like, hey, does this look okay? Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And he sent me a snap back. And he was like, dude, it looks great. He was like, the funny thing about that is, is like, none of us know what the hell we're doing. And he's like, 
he's Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer. Like he, he was successful um, in, in those terms. And so to hear someone like him uh, going through the same uh, kind of dilemmas that I was, he was like, nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody is just trying to uh, make their own way, especially with, with the business. Like you can do whatever the hell you want. Um, and so that was, uh, that was a big relief. And that's, that's something that, that, that I'll remember, but it's just, it's just, it's just testing and learning and testing and learning. And with the site, that's what I did. I, I wanted to have a place where I could write and produce content. So that was my blog. And then I had like an about me page or whatever. Um, and then I had uh, a coaching page. So it's where I, I have people can go there and then I, I pitch them or whatever. <clears throat> and then at the end they have a, they have an online application. And so what you would do is you would go to that, you would fill out the application and then I would get back to you within, it just has basic questions. Um, and then I would get back to you in uh, 24 to 48 hours. Um, I would send you uh, some kind of consult, either if you wanted to talk on the phone or if you wanted to do it through email, um, whatever. Uh, and then um, after that, I'll, I'll, I'll go through that consult with you and then see if we're kind of a good fit or not. Um, and if you're a client that I think that I can help, um, that I think that we could both benefit from, um, and it would be a, 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 a bo both of our best interests, then then we can consider working together. Because I can't take, whenever it's online coaching, you can't take anybody that you want. I can't take uh, Grandma Sally, who's never been in the gym before, that wants to online coach, because it's just, it wouldn't be ethical, because she wouldn't, she would possibly get hurt in the gym. So this is usually, online coaching is usually more for, at least my online coaching is more for intermediate people who have had at least maybe six months to a year in the gym consistently. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then if things work out, all I do is I would send them over so they would make the payment and then I would send them over their starting materials. Um, and then I would send them a client analysis form. They fill out that form. Uh, then I make them a training program and nutrition program um, based off of what they put in that client analysis form. And then we update each week or every two weeks, um, depending on if you do training and nutrition. Um, so yeah, that's my services are very simple. It's training and nutrition, which I've, I, I guess I've, I've also done. So I'm training and nutrition, um, or you can do training or nutrition. And then some people have asked me about like a one-time program or something. And then, so I'll, I'll maybe do that, uh, occasionally as well, if somebody would be interested in that. But yeah, it's, it's trying to keep things as simple as possible um, because whenever things get too complex um, it just one it stresses me out and two I think it makes it a lot harder um, for people to uh, uh, it makes it a lot harder for people to do what you want them to do which is sign up for coaching or whatever like I don't want advertisements everywhere I don't want things everywhere I want them to be able to get with it's less friction <laughs> that's all it is like I want them to <clears throat> go to go to that page do the application and then we're, we're good to go I can handle the rest um, that's that's one of the biggest things I've learned um, with business as well is just the less friction the less buttons people have to press to get to where they want to go um, the better because it takes two seconds for somebody to be like okay I don't want to bring my thumb from here to here so I'm not going to do it like literally like that's how it is so you have to make everything as simple and as clear as possible um, uh, for people or else like it, there's so many, there's so many things constantly coming at us and distracting us with our time. Like 
why should they go to your page? Like, why should they give you their time? And that's, that's, that's what it is. You have to try and um, provide something interesting enough where they have a good reason to click on your, your, your crap. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So that's growing from, you know, one Instagram post a day, one Facebook post a day up to, you know, three posts a day and you've written your own ebook, the ultimate physique development. Yeah. How do you distill the knowledge you have, you know, up here in your brain into content, keeping in mind your audience and how to convey that message to them in a way that clearly communicates what you're trying to say? Uh, <laughs> well, it really works out for me because most of the people that I want to work with are really similar to me. And uh, they're, they're part of my age group. They're part of my demographic already. So I kind of know how they think. And I know what uh, I know what I think would look cool and what I would enjoy. And so I kind of just use that. And again, it comes down to it comes down down to having enough of that 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 knowledge base of of training and nutrition of like okay so what is the bare minimum what are the big rocks that i can have these people do and keep it as simple as possible to to give them the most amount of results as possible and so with my programs with ultimate physique development i just did um <clears throat> There, there, it's a, it's a good program. It's a great program. I've used it even on my clients. Um, but I was just like, okay, so what is, uh, I just, just trimming the fat of everything. Like I didn't try and use some really fancy, um, periodization scheme or, um, throw in a bunch of fancy exercises or anything like that. Um, it's just, it's, it's the basics, the basics that work, um, what the current evidence says. Um, and, uh, yeah, just the bare bones, what they need. And if they do that, then, then they'll get results. Um, so yeah, but it's, you have to have that foundational knowledge in the first place to know um, what, what's the minimum of what they're going to need in order to get maximum results. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, it was, it was thinking of a product that I would always look for in people that I looked up to. I was like, man, I wish they had this product. And as I was making it, I was like, so what, what things would I, Whenever I open up an ebook, because I'm go, I'm do the same thing. Like people that I look up to, like I get their ebooks. I get tons of crap, but most people know with a lot of ebooks, you don't even look at them anyway, or um, you you look at them for like the first thirty seconds and they're done. Uh, but with this one, I tried to make I tried to make this product, and I bought products from people as well, like a four week program or whatever, um, or a, or a twelve week or whatever. And I wanted to make this product as good, if not better, than most other people's paid product. Uh, and I think that that's been, uh, that's been huge. Just doing little things like the small little details. So like with, um, the exercises in my ebook, like they have links to videos so that you can go and, and see that you're performing the exercise correctly. And I think most other, um, ebooks won't do that. And it didn't take me long. I made, I made, here's the thing. I made the ebook in Google docs. Like that's what I did. It, it's not, it's free, completely free. Um, you play around with the formats, you play around with everything. And then for the picture, um, I hired somebody off of uh, Fiverr, which was, <clears throat> I think it was like 20 bucks for an ebook cover. And then like all the other uh, little nuances that sh they can also make for you. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, everything else was 
all the exercises were filmed by me, all the programming, all the structure, everything like that was, you just, you just wing it. And, but like I said, I wanted to make it look um, like a professional product. And I think again, um, over delivering to your audience, like that's, it's, it's never going to be a bad idea. Uh, and so I wanted to put a product out there that, um, that I was proud of. And I think that ultimate physique development was probably, um, yeah, the one of, one of, one of many, it's actually my second ebook that I've ever done. The first one I did was on my, um, it used to be up on my page and it was, uh, <laughs> it was, um, Again, it was the key points to getting, I think it was the key points to gaining mass and like getting shredded or something like that. I can't even remember anymore, but it was, it went through each of the topics, um, like the most important topics, I guess, in training and nutrition. And then each, each topic. So like in progressive overload was one of the pages. So I would give a brief, uh, intro into what progressive overload was. And then at the bottom, I had like three or four key points on what they needed to know. Um, and then that was it. And then I moved on to the next topic. And so it's trying to, so even then, whenever, even then there was probably a lot of word vomit and a lot of the stuff that I could have cut out, but it was still like, I had the right idea of trying to make it as simple as possible for these people to follow. And so <laughs> you've got to make it so that, uh, or what's the famous, um, what was that Einstein? You've got to, uh, you've got to, you've got to make things simple, but not uh simpler than they should be or something like that there's some there's some kind of quote there uh that that, that he says it a lot better than i just did um but you you want to make things simpler but not simpler than they should be so with training and nutrition you can you can trim away the fat as much as possible but to a point um you're gonna you're gonna have to you know they're gonna have to have a certain knowledge level in order to succeed with that program right um, right did yeah. you did you test the ebook and like a small audience before releasing it did went full throttle nope nope i uh <clears throat> it was a free ebook so i was gonna i was gonna find out really quickly um whether or not people liked it <clears throat> and so um yeah i started i i kind of i kind of advertised it a little bit like working up to it i was like yeah i'm working on this for you guys it should be coming out soon and then it came out and I got a decent amount of people. And so, and for the, for the business people or for even the people who aren't in the business side, the reason people have these eBooks are as a lead magnet so that people, so whenever you, so it's on, it's on the link in my bio for anybody that wants it and uh, on Instagram. And so you click the link and then, <coughs> sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, uh, you'll get the eBook and then, but you give me your email. And so through that email, then I can email market to them and email marketing sounds really slimy or whatever that I'm always trying to, but I've literally asked um, for people to buy something. <clears throat> literally never. I'm pretty sure. At least at this point <clears throat> I'll put, I'll put, um, I'll put links to my online coaching page on there sometimes throughout the, throughout the email. But as far as like, Hey, buy this, I haven't done that yet. Um, and it's still, it still worked out. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you trade me your email, I give you a free, everything's still free. And then I just send you helpful emails, hopefully that you enjoy, um, every single week. And then eventually I'll ask you to sign up for something or whatever. But, um, yeah, that was the whole, <laughs> that was the whole thesis behind it. And with, um, 
with your email list, it's really important because that's your list. And no matter what Facebook does, no matter what Instagram does or anything like that, you have your email list always. So I wanted to gain more followers or more subscribers on my email list so that I could do with them, um, uh, do whatever I want. And that's, that's where I am right now. That's my business plan so far is to put out content and kind of maintain um, what I'm doing right now. Cause where I do work with the internship, my time is limited and I can't take on a bunch of people right now. Um, so I've just been trying to maintain, put out some free content on Instagram and then um, I'll pick up a new client, whatever, however, so many weeks or months or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the, there was no test group. There was no anything like that. I just, I said, screw it. Here it is. If you want it, great. If not, then that's, that's okay too. But people, people, like I said, the, the, the content speaks for itself. Um, even if the marketing can be subpar, if the product is good, um, that's, that's going to be your, your best bet. The, the quality of the content is always going to be um, the most important. It's got to be good. Yeah. For everyone listening and watching, we will have a link to Matt's website, his Instagram account to the book at the uh the show notes for everyone interested in checking it out so you you are a self-professed quote psychology philosophy mindset nerd and i'd love to bring things full circle back to talking about training and fitness mm -hmm. i think studying those topics translates to progress in the gym because <laughs> because everyone listening to this right now knows that you should eat fruits and vegetables and uh, lean proteins all the time, but doing it is the hard part. Um, and so like, or like going to exercise or lifting weights or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> we all know what we should do, but um, as far as doing it, that's a different story. And so uh, learning the psychology behind a lot of things, I'm able to, uh, I mean, because with coaching, all it is is persuasion, essentially. You have to have, uh, I understand you have to have the knowledge, you have to have the coaching skills, but in a way, all it is is persuasion. And the way that you persuade people is by understanding people um, and understanding how they think um, before they think it, to be honest, or, um, uh, or, or, or knowing what they mean without them saying it. So the, the way they say something or um, why they said this or um, uh, uh, the way they word things, uh, you just have to be, uh, aware of those little cues. And I think with psychology, um, it, it's, it's very, uh, um, subliminal and it's very EQ. And I think, uh, emotional intelligence has been something that, uh, I've been blessed with from just my parents, to be honest. Um, and that's huge with coaching, um, because most of the time, people don't buy coaches because they're the smartest or they have the most degrees or whatever. They, 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 people are, um, what is, what is the saying? Uh, uh, people, it's like people don't, people don't buy coaches, people buy people, mm -hmm. um, or something like that. And so the, most of the people that, um, work with me or, or, um, uh, want anything for me, the main thing that they say, like on my client analysis forms on the data that I have, the number one thing, so I have a question, why do you want to work with me? The number one thing is usually honesty and relatability. <laughs> like they, they can relate to me, they trust me, um, they like that I'm honest, so they know that I'll give them, back to taking it earlier, I'm not gonna sugarcoat um, 
uh, if they're, what they're doing is right or if what they're doing is wrong. That's not saying that I'm going to be militant on them or anything, but I can say it in a way where they can come to the conclusion like, okay, I'm doing this and it's not resulting in what I want to do, so I need to change this. Um, and uh, yeah, with psychology, it's just, it's a, um, it's a very important tool that I think a lot of coaches don't have. A lot of coaches, I think, have the, the intelligence part. They have, um, there's a lot of coaches out there that know a lot more about training and nutrition than me. And that's, that's great as well. I think that that's awesome. But to a point, um, you can know all the information in the world, but if you suck at marketing, you suck at um, getting in front of people as far as awareness and you suck at understanding people. And um, honestly, a lot of coaching is playing therapist. And so you've got to be able to work with people um, and understand their problems and uh, see all these subliminal messages that they're not even telling you, but that, that you can understand um, just by what, what they're saying uh, and, and what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. And so that question of why and just digging deeper uh, I think has always uh, fascinated me. And yeah, with, with psychology, it's just a whole different, um, it's, it's, not, it's not just uh, just for people who are in fitness or in nutrition or anything. It's just, it's all the people in general. And whenever you can understand the psychology behind why people do what they do, then you can, um, uh, then you can get to the root of, of, their, their persuasion and what, what you need to say or what you need to do in order for them to do X, Y, Z, you know? Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I love finding out why people do what they do or like why I do what we do. Um, or even the topic of like evolution, like that is so cool to me that over time, like people, you know, like people just whatever, like the, the, the survival of the fittest. Like, I think that that is, um, super super interesting to me all, all that kind of stuff um, um yeah psychology has just always been a big big interest of mine yeah love it love it you yeah. have dropped some absolute gold and i can't put <laughs> this out to people i do want to be respectful of your time so i want to transition into a few of the standard questions uh these sure. aren't you know, may not necessarily relate to the topics we've touched on but just to give us a little bit more insight into you and have some fun along the way. So if, uh, if you had to live anywhere in the world other than where you currently live, where would it be? Hmm. I would say, um, you know what, that is a tough one. If I had to live anywhere else in the world, it would maybe be like, I don't know. It's hard for me to say because I haven't been to very many places, but I did go to Amsterdam and Germany last year and living in Amsterdam probably would be pretty cool. To be <laughs> honest, if I could find a place better than a hostel to stay at, uh, I think, I think, uh, I think that that area over there is just is so pretty or just somewhere, somewhere over in Europe. I've been to, I've been to Iceland as well. My girlfriend is from Iceland. So I wouldn't say that I would necessarily want to live in Iceland because it gets really cold and snowy. Um, but, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe somewhere over in Europe, uh, uh, something like that. I always wanted to visit Australia as well. So um, perhaps there or um, Canada might be okay too. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's close enough, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. 
yeah so there's there's my multiple answers speaking of multiple answers this one given uh, the amount of reading you do may be tough but what single book has had the biggest impact on your life and why uh um it's uh um it's uh primo levy's book uh on survival in auschwitz um i would say the the first one yeah that that's the first one that comes to mind um just because i do very well with uh like contrast thinking so as far as um what drives me every single day um is that perspective and that gratitude and what makes me just like an optimistic person in general um is just understanding the flip side like right now like us talking on a laptop like i've i've got shelter like i'm totally fine i'm in an apartment like i've got i've got a nice car um i've got an iphone like all of these things like are such luxuries that i think that we that we really um just take for granted um and i'm blessed to have uh such amazing parents and you know my brother uh just my family has just been immensely supportive and a lot of people um come from really hard backgrounds and then they can kind of rise up they have you know um they have that drive they have that chip on their shoulder because they've never had anything and they they have that drive to you know make something of themselves but with mine um i think a lot of people in my position could take it both ways um so my my family is um decently well off and they've always provided a lot of opportunities and things for me and so i come from a place of gratitude and thankfulness uh with them they've given me all these opportunities and i have the the i have the chance to do something with it and so if i didn't do something with it i think that it would be um a huge mistake on my end it'd be very selfish of me not to use the resources i have available um so that's what makes me work really hard and so with the primo levy book um with the survival and auschwitz book it's just like <laughs> it's it doesn't get much worse than that you know like the the stuff that i read in that book like you have to be you have to be ready for seeing the just absolute um worst of the worst people and it, it was written by a prisoner in that camp and he talks about what he went through day in and day out and it's just like you can't read that book and then not be pumped about whatever you're about to do the entire day to be honest like i could sit and look at outside and i would have a 100 times better day than what that person did in auschwitz because it was just it was just so horrendous and so i'm really i love one again coming back to the psychology of things like how this person made it through all of that another good one is uh man's search for meaning by victor frankl who was another auschwitz survivor um it's just seeing seeing these people still tread forward and still um make something of themselves even when given the absolute worst of human conditions um i think that that is uh, uh just it it would just be irresponsible of me as a human being to not take advantage of what i have so yeah primo levy's book is um uh really good so any book like that is um huge yeah what innovation in human civilization are you most looking forward to in your lifetime so examples mm -hmm. artificial intelligence self-driving cars cryptocurrency renewable mm -hmm. energy anything along those lines um i've got to give the basic dietitian answer and say one the stuff that they're going to maybe be able to do with food in the future so like there's a lot of um uh what is it, what is it called the the nutrigenomics and like all the 
uh, epigenetics or something like that. A lot of the a lot of the cool advancements that are about to come uh, with nutrition and uh, your genes. There's been a lot of like gene testing and DNA testing and stuff now to see how your food is. And I'm a little skeptical of those for now. Um, but I think in the future, uh, I think I don't see why we're not going to be able to, you know, uh, see exactly what our body needs or um, what we need to eat or something like that in order to prevent X, Y, and Z. I think, I don't know when that time will be, but that's something that I'm uh, really, it might come with artificial intelligence, to be honest. I think artificial intelligence is going to be ridiculous and I'm not smart enough to understand it in any way. Um, but I think that'll be super fun because it's going to make our lives cooler and easier, I guess. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Um, and yeah, and virtual reality, that's always cool too. I haven't done any of the VR stuff uh, or anything, but I think that that, um, I think that's going to be really neat. I've heard some really good things, at least uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast and a lot of others about the how realistic it actually is. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think that's exciting. I think it's all exciting. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. As a whole, I think a lot of people are afraid of it, but I think just like you would tell people 30 years ago, if we told them about the internet and what we're doing like right now, like they would be <laughs> freaked out as well. And so they would be like, oh, no, the machines. And you know what's funny is me and my girlfriend watched Terminator last night. It's the first time I'd ever seen Terminator. And they had the year, the year in that movie when all the, 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 the Terminators and everything were, like, destroying the world was, like, 2029. And so it's in, like, 10 years. So the movie was made in, what, like, 1984? So, like, in 2029, they expected all these, like, robots and stuff all over the world. And it's just, like, we, we don't know what's going to happen. But I think, I think as a whole, we're going to we're going to be okay. I don't think it's going to be like robots or take over the world or anything like that. So I'm excited. I'm excited. What is uh, one life altering change a person can make with just 10 minutes per day? 10 minutes per day. Um, <clears throat> I would say, Hmm. I think, uh, I mean, any type of reflection, I think, is, is, is going to be helpful. Uh, the immediate ones that come to mind are obviously like the meditation. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say I would say somewhere along the lines of meditation, to be honest. A lot of people, I don't think, can just sit in a room and not do anything for 10 minutes of their time. I think it's very, very difficult for a lot of people when a lot of they have the distractions constant. Uh, uh, the monkey brain going around or whatever. But if you tell somebody to sit in a room and focus on their breath for 10 minutes, they're going to freak out. Um, and I think, um, yeah, having that skill of being able to focus on one task and, and, and not be uh, distracted, constantly distracted, I think in the future, that's going to be um, such an important skill. So with meditation, all that essentially is a lot of people have this misconception that is some woo woo or whatever, but all it is, is you, you, so if you're, you're thinking about your breath and so all you're doing is thinking about your breath going in and out. Um, and then it'll happen. Your mind will go away and it'll go to different things, but all you're doing is catching that thought and then bringing it back into the center. And, and it's just catching yourself. It's whenever you get distracted, all you're doing is catching yourself and bringing it back. So I think that ideal, um, uh, focus and I guess meditation. Um, I think that's that'll probably be it. that or like writing, writing something 
because um, writing is just articulating your thoughts onto a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've noticed that as, as my writing has increased, my, the way that I think and the way that I perceive things uh, and how that I speak, um, you've got to make things concise. You've got to, <laughs> I say make things concise and people probably heard this entire podcast. I'm like, he's not concise. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's helped, it's helped me. Um, it's helped me uh, uh, file my thoughts in a way that is more productive than just constantly trying to do 10 things at once. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. This is, this has been amazing. You are a wealth of information and I'm very excited <laughs> to get this out to people. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, I think, uh, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're there. Okay. Uh, just honestly, I would say just go, go to my Instagram. I think that's where I'm going to be most active. So it's just Matt McLeod six and McLeod is spelled like McLeod. So if you're ever confused on how, how to spell it, it's M-C-L-E-O-D. It's really, really weird. Um, I, wish, I, I wish it was M-C-C-L-O-U-D. That would make my life a lot easier. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Matt McLeod 6. And that's what, it is on, uh, that's what it is on Facebook. That's what it is on Twitter, uh, everything else. And then, of course, my website is just McLeodConsultingServices.com. Uh, uh, yeah. We yeah. will have links to those in the show notes. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to come on today and share everything you've learned about health, fitness, growing a business. I think this is going to be extremely productive for everyone at home. So just thank you so much for taking the time to do this this afternoon. I know you're a busy person. You have clients to get to. So I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. This was, this was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks, dude. Awesome. Awesome. Well, take care and we will hopefully talk again soon. Good deal. Sounds good, man. You too.